0: You are listening to will ferguson the pastor of temple baptist church in canton illinois this podcast contains one of my sermons that was preached at temple that pertains to the christian life and living exodus chapter 13 verses 17 through 22 i talked to you this morning about developing faith ready for combat How does God develop our faith to be ready for combat? When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, you shall carry up my bones with you from here. They moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Father, we pray for your, your hand upon our message this morning, and Lord, I pray you will challenge us. Take your word and speak to our hearts and our minds, and Lord, I pray that your spirit will uh, do, do what you do so well, Father. Uh, you will convict us, you will convince us, and you commend Christ. And pray, Lord, you will uh, do these things this morning uh, and edify us as, as, as we go in our lives today. Lord, I pray for the words, I pray for your, your power and your ability to share as Christ would want to share. Of course, in Christ's name we pray, amen. So we're going to look at three, three major points this morning. We're going to look at the way of the wilderness, we're going to look at the foresight of Joseph, And we're going to look at the symbol of God's presence, all three of which are elements that developed faith for the children of Israel, for them to be ready for combat, ready for combat. So let's look at the way of the wilderness. It says there that God led them by the way of the wilderness. Now, I remember in my math class of all the things I can remember is that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line between A and and be of a straight line. But here we see God is intentionally taking the Israelites, not the direct way, the short way, the short route, but He's taking them on a longer route. And for, the re- for this reason, uh, it, well, first of all, it says they're equipped for battle. Now, they've not fought any t- at any time ever, but they're equipped for battle. But I think the reason why God takes them the long way is because he is concerned that when they face war, they will change their mind and turn back to Egypt because their faith is not ready to face combat. We we're going to see that this morning. And these Israelites, what God had to allow them to the time to do, they had to allow them the time to allow the things that He's done to soak into their brains. Sometimes God does things, and we need to have time to reflect on it. And what the Israelites had just experienced, they experienced a Ten plagues, right? They saw God do miraculous stuff, miraculous power showing up in ten distinct ways that should have built their faith, but yet still wasn't ready. And so there's more things to come in order to help them to grow. And there is a time when faith is not ready for battle. And so he has to give them some more experiences. The other experiences are going to happen right in front of them The next thing that's going to happen is the parting of the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts. There's a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. They walk on dry ground, and then as they get across on the other side, this army that's following them, remember the story. Moses puts his staff, God instructs him to stretch out his staff over the water, and it came down. And what did they see? They saw the horse and its rider. Their enemies were defeated, were they not? The next day, they had this dance. Miriam has this dance. Moses writes this song. And they celebrate this great occasion. What should be a great faith builder when facing an enemy when you're in war. Okay? Okay, after that, they've got this great faith builder. The next thing they go to, they go to a place called Mara, And there's no water. They're in a desert. They're wandering around. Moses, you forgot to bring water. You didn't even think about that detail, did you, Moses. No, he didn't. So the people complained against Moses, and, and they came to this place, and there was a, they were drinking water from this pond, this oasis, this place, and the water was bitter. And God instructed Moses to take a tree, throw it in there, and he turned the bitter water sweet. Another faith lesson that God can provide, even in the desert, water. So to realize that God can turn something that's bitter and make it sweet. Third lesson they come to, we're hungry. We don't have anything to eat. Aren't you going to feed us, Moses? Come on, let's. where, where can we get something to eat? And so God calls manna, to, to uh, bread from heaven, to rain down every day for them to eat. God provided. And then the next place is about water again. We have Masa and Meribah. It's a place where the people complained against Moses again. We're thirsty. We're going to die of thirst in this wilderness. So God calls Moses to strike the rock and water came out of a rock. And Israel, the Israelites and their flocks were able to drink water. Then the fifth thing, the next place you have, is they have a battle. A battle against Amalek, the king. You remember that battle? Well, you might not know about this. So at, Reph- at Rephidim, here they are, Joshua and his army is going out. And they're battling against Amalek. And Moses gets up on top of the hill. He holds his staff in the air. And the people begin to realize as long as Moses has his staff in the air, they were winning. And then when Moses gets tired, they start losing. So what they did is they put a rock under Moses so Moses could sit down. A couple of guys came home and held his hands up so he could keep the staff in the air so they could win the battle. So the Israelites saw the connection between Moses holding the staff in the air and not with connection with God's power being present in their battle. They learned in that moment how God can help them fight their battles. When we allow God to be in our battle, we will win the battle. As long as we hold the staff up, but when we put it down, we start to lose. So the Israelites learned that lesson. So God was teaching them faith in His power, how to appropriate His power in their lives, and then God gave them Mount Sinai, they saw the, the burning mountain and all the, the smoke and the fire, and they were scared out of their minds how, how massive, how great God is. So God, I believe, gives us times in our lives where He builds our faith like this. Experiences, events, God starts to build our faith. But there comes a time When God expects us to use our faith that we've learned, God expects us to take the lessons that we've learned in the past, all these spiritual experiences we had, to use it for the occasion that we're facing with, the battle that we're facing with now, the challenge we might be faced with. How many times do we, when we face an issue in our life, that we totally forget and totally dismiss all the things that God has taught us in the past, God expects you and me to apply those lessons in the challenge that we face now. If you don't, guess what? You're going to have to take the test over again. You're going to come back against it. You're going to come back against it. You're going to come back against it. Now, Israelites didn't have it over and over again. They had a time where they failed the test. Let me tell you about this. Kadesh Barnea. This was the test. The Israelites... God's going to have them go into the promised land. They, they've already went past Sinai. Here they are. Uh, there's the promised land over there. We're going to go. But God's, love, first off, I want you to take out uh, one leader from each tribe, 12 people. And I want you to send them out. They're going to go out for 40 days. They're going to go into the land, and they're going to check it out. They're going to see how great this land really is, that it truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's everything I've told you. So they go through for 40 days. These 12 spies, they spy out the land for 40 days. They go and, and wow, well, this place is abundant. They saw bring in this big cluster of grapes back. And they bring some of the other elements from the land. They come back and say, oh, it's, it's exactly what God says. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. But they said, but it's full of giants. It's horrible. They're going to kill us there in that land. Let me read that for you. Numbers, it's in the book of Numbers. Numbers, and this is their test. I think this is their testing point. Numbers, I'm going to read uh, verse 25, kind of apprise us of this. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, showed them fruit of the land. They told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very, very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb, the Hittites and Jebusites, Amorites dwell in that hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and said, Let us go up once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they spied out, saying, The land though which we have gone." "...through which we have gone outspout is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw are in our great height, and we saw the Nephilim, the sons of who come to the Nephilim, we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them." They were, they were overcome with fear, and their fear was being spread out upon all the children of Israel. This was the moment when they were supposed to be like uh, Caleb. We could do this, guys. God has shown to us over and over again. Remember wall of water? Remember the battle of Rephidim? Remember God takes the the, the bitter water and makes it sweet? Remember that God can take anything and make it good? Can, Can we remember that? That's what Caleb was telling them. No, 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 no. We don't want to listen to that, Caleb. Shut up. God brought us out here to kill us. Look what he says there later. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Then all the congregation raised their loud cry, And the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would we have died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and... Go back to Egypt. So what did God do? He did all that stuff so that they would not change their mind and go back to Egypt. And here they are talking about going back to Egypt. God was trying to build their faith, getting to that place like Caleb and, of course, Joshua, where they can say, you know, we can do this. We can do this with God's power. We can do this. Look later on in verse 11. God is upset with his people. This is the moment when God is upset. He says, verse 11, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. Now, Moses actually stood up for them and changed God's mind here. God was going to wipe them out. But I want you to notice here, God says, How long will they not believe in me? So this is really an issue of faith. It's an issue of belief. God is looking at the Israelites, and the reason why they failed the test is they failed to believe God. They failed to believe Him. And let me submit to you this morning, when we fail the test with God, it is when we fail to believe Him. We can believe in God, but we need to believe God. Amen? This is where God's working with us. He's growing our faith. And as our faith grows, God can do more through us. But if we refuse to depend and trust God, just like the Israelites. Israel notes this day, it is called the ninth of Av. We spell it A-V. It's kind of like our days. We have days that, that we regard as bad days in the United States. Uh, 9-11, you know, that's remember what happened on 9-11? I mean, it's a, ooh, it's a day when we remember a bad day. Another day, uh, a date which will live in infamy. You remember that day? What was that day? It's Pearl Harbor, right? December 7th, 1941. I had to write that down. But December 7th, 1941, uh, the, the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor. No, the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. See if you're listening. The Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, right? And uh, FDR said, this is a day that will live in infamy, this famous speech. We have days where we recognize as days of bad things have happened, and we remember it because of something bad happened. But this, all the Israelites view this day as one of the worst days in their entire history, the ninth of Av. And uh, since then, a lot of bad things have happened for the Jews on the 9th of Av. We had World War One started on the 9th of Av. World War II started on the 9th of Av. Uh, Himmler was granted permission to put the Jews in, in the concentration camps for the Holocaust on the 9th of Av. It was in France, banned the Jews out of France. Uh, Europe banned the Jews out of... very other Euro, European countries, banned the Jews. It was all on the... Usually happens on the 9th of Av that this happens. Because, and they all think about that day... When they made the mistake of not believing God when they should have believed God. God leads us things through things to develop our faith. And when we get there, there's a time when we ex- He expects us to pl- apply what we have learned and use those lessons to the current challenges we face. So let's just pause for a moment to reflect. Selah, think. What challenges are you facing today? you need to apply the promise of God, you need to apply what you've learned about God, that you need to apply in that situation. What is God asking you to believe Him for? These are things to think about in our minds because we do not want to fall short. We want to, we want to enter God's rest. We want to enter his, allow His power to flow through us. Okay, so we have the second faith builder, it's the foresight of Joseph. To Joseph in the book of Genesis, a large push portion is dedicated to the to Joseph. You remember the, the kid with the coat of many colors and all of that. By the time Joseph dies at the end of jo- Genesis, Israel is doing very well in the land of Goshen. They're having Pete, uh, Pharaoh loves them. He's he's taking good care of them because of Joseph. Um, but it's interesting that Joseph, at the end, he gives specific instructions, has them swear. He says, as I'm going to die, he says, I know something. I know that God's going to visit the children of Israel someday, and he's going to take you up out of this land into the promised land. And he says, when that happens, I want you to take my bones out of my, out of, I want you to take my bones, I want, I want to be there with you guys. Now, what, jo, what Joseph is doing is he's looking to the promise of God. Not only that, but he's also seeing that he has, a, he has a small part to play in a much bigger picture. Now you think that Joseph would be happy. Oh, we're in Egypt. We're all taken care of. We're, we're, we're good. We're happy. But Joseph knows that it's not all about his helping Egypt and not all about his helping the children of Israel be there in Egypt. But it's all about God's work of bringing the, bringing the Israelites into the promised land. Of which he was a part. Joseph was able to see the purposes of Israel, and that gave him a different perspective on his own life. I think that's kind of interesting. Now we need to look at our own lives—the purposes of God. What's God's purpose for my life? It's not about me and being hat, fat and sassy here in this time in this life. I am fat, but not sassy. <laughs> but it's not about that. There is, there is a, there is. My life has significance beyond this time. Beyond this world is an eternal significance. Joseph saw that. And what I think is really, really cool is that for the children of Israel to obey this, this command, this instruction that Joseph, they had to pass that instruction down through the generation, 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 generation. Well, I mean, it says 430 years, the Israelites are in bondage to Egypt. And person dies, he said, Remember. Joseph instructed that God's going to come and visit us, and he's going to take us out of here. So all the Israelites, what this means, all the the Israelites knew about the hope. They knew about the promise that God was going to take their nation out of Egypt and into the promised land. They all knew it. They all had that hope. They didn't know when it was going to happen, but they knew that they did not belong there in Egypt, that God has them for a different place at a different time. And so Joseph was looking for that hope. The same with us. We know that we're pilgrims passing through this world. We're not here for this place and this time. We're destined for a new place. Joseph is an Old Testament picture of Jesus. I remember one of my professors in Bible college says that Joseph is about 40 different types. He shows 40 different types of Jesus. And here in this passage, there's one specific type that he represents. If you were to go to Joseph's grave today, what would you find? An empty grave, right? There's no, Joseph's not there. You go to Jesus' grave, wherever that might be, I'm going to tell you something. He's not there. <laughs> he's gone. Why is, where did Jesus go? Where He went to the land of promise. He says, I leave this place. I go to prepare a place for you. And, and see, the hope of Joseph's bones being out of there shows that it ties into the hope of the promised land the hope of where we're going to be someday. And we repeat that, and we repeat that, and we talk about it, and we talk about it when Jesus rose from the dead. We talk about it It is our hope. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, neither will we. But because he did rise from the dead, we shall rise from the dead where our hope is. So Joseph provides a, an example of faith. He's confident that God was going to move. He was confident Israel would inhabit a promised land. And he gave the instructions based upon that confidence. Take my bones out of here. And they did it. They did it. So we must also live with that perspective. Our lives are part of something much bigger. So let's go to the third one this morning. It's a symbol of God's presence. The symbol of God's presence. The pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. It says here that the Lord went. The people saw those two images as the Lord himself. It's symbolic of the presence of God among the children of Israel. It says also, He went and through that He led them. He says, And the Lord went before by a day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. This is the moment by moment. I didn't think it's. So so well illustrates how we follow the Lord closely, moment by moment. You know, some of us want to plan our whole lives, you know, and you know, sometimes we miss what God may want to do the next step. And the way way we do it, we just follow him moment by moment, allow him to lead and guide us to where he wants us to go. And this is what the Israelites were doing. They say, Where are we going? Moses says, I don't know. We'll get there we get there as we follow the Lord. Moses could not make a plan. He could not say, well, in three weeks we'll be at this place, in three weeks we'll be at four weeks we'll be at that place. He didn't make those kinds of plans. He was dependent on God to show him day by day. All the Israelites show them day by day where he's going. And he started to depend upon the, the manifest presence of God among them. Do you have the um, the fire by day, fire by night, Cloud by day, visible at all times, right? You can see it. All times, there it was. Very clear. And it says he did not depart from before the people. Now, I think, think we we'll think about this for a moment. Here it is, you guys following a cloud out in the wilderness. Doesn't that sound kind of crazy? I mean, can you imagine following a cloud? There's my cloud, and I'm following this cloud out in the wilderness. Now, this seems kind of crazy. Now, the people had to be assured that this was God, right? And God showed them that it was Him, that it was his, his presence. But how does God lead us today? How does He? I think it's not by the cloud. We don't have clouds of the pillar of fire. God leads us today by His Holy Spirit. When you and I came to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, He, he came to live inside our lives and our hearts. He's present in the believer He's present in us both day and night. God's Spirit reveals where God is working and where we must move to join Him. When He moves, we move. So we're on the lookout. We're looking. We're focusing. God, where are you working? What are you doing? And His Spirit reveals to us what He is about, what He's doing. The Spirit th- speaks through uh, four different things. Number one, the Bible, the Word of God. Uh, he will take the Word of God and He will speak to us. As we read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit starts to reveal how He thinks and what He thinks about certain things. So here's the thing. If we don't read God's Word, if we aren't meditating on God's Word, we actually take our eyes off the cloud. We take our eyes off of what God can lead us with. So it is important for all of us to spend time every day reading, meditating, thinking on God's Word. This is how God leads us. This is is how the Spirit of God leads us. Prayer, the second thing that God uses. As we begin to pray, we sense the Spirit of God. He's, he's, he's changing our prayers. He's working through our prayers. He's giving us these thoughts. And I'm going to tell you something. It's extremely important. As I begin to pray for things, when I'm praying for things, that's when I begin to see, I'm alert to seeing what God is doing around me. If I'm not praying for things, I am totally oblivious as to what God is. But if I'm starting to pray for something specific and then God does something, Whoa, I see God do so first let me give you an example just two weeks ago two Sundays ago, I was thinking and Jennifer told me this a few months ago I, I'm writing a book I told you all I'm writing a book that makes me really smart right I'm writing a book it's I'll just tell you what it is it's it's on eternal security I've been writing I got lots of lots of stuff in there but instead of having the title Eternal security blah, um I was uh instead of just having it that have a different title. You need a good title. And I was thinking about that. I was praying about this. God, how, what's the title? And uh, a thought came to my mind about a guy. Was, I was having a discussion with this person and he, that's the title of the book as we talk about it. So I, I need to call that guy. Okay. So I need to call that guy and ask his permission to use that as the title of my book. And two weeks ago, he shows up to church here out of the blue. That's kind of cool. I said, "Hey, since you're here, let me ask you: Can I use this for? Oh, he was awesome. Oh, he was. Oh, yeah. Make sure you give me credit. But anyway, but uh, but anyway, it's kind of cool when when you begin to pray about things, we begin to see God put things together. So, wow, this book. Maybe God's in this. Maybe this isn't my crazy idea. You know. And so you begin to see little things like that as you're praying for things, you see opportunities come, you see things happen, and so you're assured." Of the presence of God. Not only that, but as you're praying, sometimes the Spirit gives you a burden for something, and it happens to me many times. when I have a burden for somebody that I, I cross their path during the day that day, and I know you guys are you're not yes, it happens to you too. When God puts somebody on your heart. You just cross their path, or or when you actually go and you talk to them, you say, Wow, I, I really needed you to. I really needed this. So so prayer. Pray, because when we don't pray, we are not looking at the cloud of fire in the pillar. We, we, can't, we can't know where God's leading us. The third thing is circumstances. I, and I say prayer is the key to this, but, but when we look at our circumstances, we look at the circumstances with the perspective that God is at work in our lives. And we look for things that God does. That might seem like coincidence, but when it happens so many times, you know that it's not coincidence. You know God is at work. The fourth thing the Spirit uses to speak is the church, is the body of Christ. All of you who is the body of Christ, all of you, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And once in a while, the Spirit's going to say something through your lips. <laughs> you may not meant to, but it happens. You may ask a question. You make a statement. I've been praying about something or somebody's been praying about something. You may say something and you affirm something or not. So so there's those accidental things, but also there's the the times when we do share things with each other. We share prayer requests and God begins to use his body, his church, to reveal his will and the way he's working. Those four ways. I think if we have a, uh, if our relationship with the Bible is non-existent, it's going to be very hard for God, very hard for you to follow God's lead. Prayer, same way. If we don't look at our circumstances in, with the lens that God is at work, we're going to have a very difficult time to see where God's leading. And also, if we don't have a relationship or not a relationship with His church, with the body, very difficult to discern where God's working. You know, there's a lot of times I get, I get an idea that I want to do. I get an idea out in my, my head. And once I share it with the body, when I share it with church people, all of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute, that's not, that wasn't so great. <laughs> sometimes it's either of God and sometimes it's either myself. How, do I, how can I tell? Well, when I begin to share it with the body, when I begin to share and get their counsel and get what God's Spirit says through them, then God can clarify those things. So, the relationship with the church. So, God uses it, the Spirit of God uses things to reveal Himself, His purposes, and His ways. So, I'm going to ask you a question uh, Do you have faith? Have you learned to depend on the Holy Spirit to reveal Himself, His purposes and His ways through these things? The Bible, prayer, circumstances of the church. How do you rate yourself? How do you rate your faith? I think today we have what is called practical atheism. Practical atheism. We say we believe in God, but we don't believe God. We don't believe His promises. Practical atheism. It's the kind of people that that don't expect God to do anything, that don't expect God to speak, that don't expect God to show up. We'll just, we'll just go through the motions. We'll just ride the ride, say the prayers, say the statements, listen to the sermons, sing the songs. But we're not really going to expect God to do anything. And I think it's sad because God wants to do some things. God wants to work in our lives. How is your faith? Do you believe in God? without believing God. So God is alive and He's real. And He's given all of us enough to take the next step, whatever that might be. Okay? This morning, I want to challenge you with that. With your faith. Where are you at? Maybe this morning, you uh, God has given you enough. You have never came to that place where you you ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. You feel like maybe God has been against you and you feel like He hates you. But I'm going to tell you, God sent His Son to die on a cross so you might be accepted. So He will accept you. Now, He doesn't accept you on the basis of you. He accepts you on the basis of His Son. So when I approach God, every time I go in the presence of God, I'm not worthy. I'm not I'm not special. I'm not great. I go in the presence of God because His Son says I can. His Son gave that right to me. I have a privileged status. And so do you if you place your faith. But if you have not asked Christ to forgive you of your sins, you don't have privilege status. You can do all the good works you can possibly imagine to do to try to get on God's good side, and it will not work. The Bible says that our good works are filthy rags before God. It's dirt and scum. God doesn't accept it. What God accepts is the righteousness of His own Son. So when I ask Christ into my life, God does not, no longer sees my righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you come to faith in him? And, Christian, if you have, are you growing in your faith in Jesus? How are you plateaued? Have you stagnated? Are you dry? Maybe this morning you need to reinvigorate that and start revisiting those lessons. God, okay, what have you been teaching me? And what do I need to do to, to apply this? I'm convicted a lot in my personal life. Because the Spirit of God, He's whispering to my heart, pray for something, Will. Pray for something. Okay, well, God, I pray you bless so and so. I'll pray you do this and that. No, no, God said, no, pray for something. Pray for something big. Pray for something that when I answer it, you know I've answered it. <laughs> I think God is chomping the bit on the sidelines, waiting for us to take Him at His Word and to believe the promise of God. And at, where we keep... We keep Failing to go in, enter into that promised land that God calls us to live. I can give you example. For example, of churches I've seen where they stopped believing God and they started coasting and they started dying. And let that not be true of our church that we can start looking and start, start pushing forward, believing God for great things, wherever that might be, seeing God do some great things, having testimonies, of the power of God in our midst. But if you don't know Christ this morning, we're going to have an invitation. I invite you to come. Come and we'll pray. We'll receive Christ this morning. If you do know Christ, I challenge you with that faith challenge. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. I pray that you were encouraged in your faith. This is Pastor Will. Till next time, may God bless you and keep you.